So hello and welcome once again to the Wiki Weekdays podcast. I'm your host, Carl Smallwood. I'm joined as always off camera and off screen, if you listen to the podcast version, by my friend Lucas Holland, who's got a bit of a cold today, right? Yeah, so, uh, you know, we, we're recording two podcasts at the same time and it just so happens to be the week where, like, I'm feeling really stuffy and a bit nasty, but, like, you know, we want to provide you lovely folks content still. So I'm powering through and we're going to have a fun time anyway. Yes, and we are deep now into Spooky Month, and what better content for Spooky Month than talking about films? And mm-hmm. speaking of films, Lucas, today's episode is sponsored by people making a film, that being the Canadian horror slashy movie, slashy, slash, <laughs> I guess it's kind of slasher movie, I'll Be Glad When You're Dead, and their Indiegogo um, uh, to help fund this movie goes live on Halloween, which is a good day for an Indiegogo about like a a scary movie to go live, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah, it's always weird to see people not lean into the Halloween date when they do spooky stuff. It's so strange, yes. And, um, you know, that's something that's going to be mine. My wiki kind of centers around that, but we'll get to that okay. shortly. And, you know, doubling down on like the spookiness um, for this sponsor spot, they have paid us, Lucas, $666. And that's um, just for clarification. That is for, like, the multiple sponsor spots we're doing over, the, like, the next week or so. Yes. So over the next week or so, we've mentioned this multiple times for anyone out there who thinks they can get away with skipping it. And we're going to drop it in <laughs> randomly as well so you can. Also, I don't know why you'd skip, like, a thing like this because it's a genuinely interesting project that's been in the like, the pipeline for a couple of years. And we'll talk about that, you know, when we get to the midpoint. But first, Lucas, what's the wiki you brought this week? Well, the wiki that I've brought this week is a movie... We're not talking about their movie because, you know, we'll save we that will for the sponsor do, yes. spot. But I'm talking about Scary Movie. This, as in Scary Movie, the franchise? As in Scary Movie, the first movie. Okay, so I saw a comment on our, one of our previous videos that nearly made me go, okay, just delete this person. <laughs> and it was like, Joe, we had a Hot Falls video, uh, a Shaun of the Dead. Oh, right, yeah. There was a comment from someone who is wrong saying, well, I always saw Shaun of the Dead as being the same level as those scary movie movies. And it's like, well, you're wrong and you're bad at watching. Like, you are wrong and bad at watching movies. The only scary movie that is even remotely close to anything like in Shaun of the Dead is the third one because that was like basically a secret Zucker Abrams Zucker movie, the guys who did Airplane. Oh, right. Which is why Leslie Nielsen's in it. Um, like they basically did uncredited rewrites and made the whole thing into like a Zucker Abrams Zucker project. Oh, right. I, I always assumed that Scary Movie 1 was kind of the pinnacle of the franchise. The third one's the best one because right. it was written by people who aren't the Wayans Brothers. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry, let's give me their full titles. Um, Transphobes, the Wayans Brothers. Oh, no. Oh, sorry. I didn't, uh, the I mis- didn't know the mis- pick in this movie. Oh, no. The, sorry, the misogynistic Transphobes, the Wayans Brothers. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're like, just... Uh, yeah. Okay, so, yeah, bear in mind that I've seen this movie, like, 15 years ago and was just like, oh, scary movies, a parodic take on a lot of um, horror slash slasher films. Mm-hmm. And I thought it'd be fun to talk about. I wasn't aware of any of that stuff. Oh, that's fine. Um, like, Lucas, when you're talking about, like, um, uh, any comedy movie from, like, you know, 15, 20 years ago... The people who were involved were probably, like, a bit dickish. Or very problematic. It's, yeah. you know, doesn't seem to be that there's many people, I'd say, around 2000s comedy that weren't either, like, a dick or very problematic. Mm-hmm. And um, I just, I really respect the fact that Scary Movie that came out in 2000 is, like, again, a parody movie. It's a horror comedy film. Mm-hmm. Um and the tagline for the movie straight away on yes. the poster no mercy no shame no sequel yep yeah we saw where that went and i i know that there's a um, you know glancing through this earlier there's like a part of the trivia where it's like scary movie 2 came out and then they changed the scary movie poster where mm-hmm. they just had like a big red cross across the no sequel thing and it's like they had no shame about it. Of like they literally took the piss and went, "There's not going to be any sequel. We're not, mate. you know, falling into that Hollywood trap." And then they went, "Oh, we did make a lot of money though, mate." 
if you want to talk shameless, you've got to talk about the Wayans brothers. They're like <laughs> the most shameless. There is no shit. There is no like limit to the depth they will go to reach that. Like the fruit is not low hanging. It is under the ground. They are digging to find it. Yeah, and I think this kind of obviously set off a trend for a long time of all these parody movies and all of which are pretty much just horribly bad and just as you say low-hanging fruit scary movie is probably one of the worst ones because like they were literally parodying parodying adverts right it's like i think there's a great breakdown of um like top secret done by the guys at red letter media where they talk about how uh the reason those movies were like airplane top secret the naked gun movies is because they're parodying a lot of things but they're just funny without knowing the reference mm-hmm. whereas all the scary movies and movies of that ilk if you don't know what they're referencing it's not funny the it's entire... like doing what's like family guy modern family guy and you're like on modern south part and you're like oh just it's yeah and i know the thing the Will this hold up in ten years' time? That they are spoofing other movies, and therefore, if you don't know those other movies, the spoofs, how are you going to realise that they're meant to be funny? Yeah, but that's why you just make them funny on their own, which is why what Airplane and stuff does. Like Airplane is literally a spoof of, and we've got like Zero Hour, like a literal shot-for-shot remake of an actual movie that existed, <laughs> and no one knows that. Like when you're talking like what? So yeah, they bought the rights to that movie because they were genuinely would they get sued for how close it is to the original. Like they were genuinely worried it wouldn't count as parody because of how close it is, because they actually use lines from that movie. But, but they're jokes. they've done it in an actually funny way... Yeah, you don't need to know that. no real need to ever have seen that movie, whereas mm-hmm. this kind of scary movie kind of holds up entirely on the fact that you have seen the, uh, the movies that are spoofed most predominantly, Scream and I Know What You Did Last Summer, along mm-hmm. with um, a few extra ones here that says... The Sixth Sense, The Usual Suspects, The Matrix, The Blair Witch Project, and Dawson's Creek. I always forget how many things parodied The Matrix. Yeah, everything around 2000. Everything had to do with a Matrix parody. Yep. It's like, just every, every movie, 2000 to like 2005, had a Matrix nod in it. Almost mm-hmm. entirely. Especially, obviously, you know, comedy movies and stuff. But even a lot of movies that took themselves quite seriously just needed to have a weird Matrix plug in them. Mm-hmm. And it was, oh, it was weird. Like, talk about just how to signify how prolific the Matrix was back yeah. then. It's just the amount of things that spoofed, like, the bullet time moment. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's crazy. But, um, yeah, the... As I said, the tagline is No Mercy, No Shame, No Sequel. The last reference being an ironic t- nod towards the tendency of popular horror movies becoming cash cow franchises. 2001 then saw the release of Scary Movie 2 with the appropriate tagline, We Lied. Yeah, and then that's like the third one was done. Like, basically, it was a... And I remember them getting really mad about it. Mm-hmm. Of like, oh, they took the franchise away from us. It's like, and they gave it to the people who did fucking airplane. Like, surely if you want to, make, like, uh, you can complain if not for the fact they gave it to the people who made airplane, aka one of the funniest movies of all time. Mm-hmm. So, Carl, you can tell that kind of like the film, you know, kind of just didn't really have anything to go off considering the first titles. It's like, yeah. There was Slasher nine one one, just like you know, emergency call, but also just like last summer, I screamed because Halloween fell on Friday the thirteenth. Clearly, like creativity is their strong suit here. <laughs> Clearly, and um... that's that's the problem as well. It's like those scary movies; like they're not actually parodying in the sense of like they're just making the the just they do the same shot but worse. Yeah, it's just recreating things from that movie, but poorly. Yeah, and that's not what parody is. That's copying. Mm-hmm. And um, essentially, like, you know, I thought one of the, the fun things to do, because 
on uh, the Scary Movie fandom page, what we're reading now, because mm-hmm. it just has a list of like all of the parodies. Okay, I will I say thought... though, well, I do have one moment I like to single out as being actually funny. Okay, and it's the moment I think it's Scary Movie Two because that's the one that references Thirteen Ghosts, which just mm. come out, and that's where like Cindy is running away from a skeleton, and her friend says, "Why are you running away from a skeleton? It's a skeleton." And she just hits it with a baseball bat. It's like, <laughs> it's a skeleton. What's it got? And like, that's actually a funny joke. Mm-hmm. That's like, you know, lampshade. You think, I'm scared. It's a skeleton. It's like, why would you be scared of a skeleton? It's a skeleton. Yeah. That's fair enough. But yeah, I thought that this might make like an interesting kind of main part of the uh, the wiki page is just seeing what A, they parodied and B, like what they thought was good to parody from it. Yeah, because that's usually the thing. It's. Um... I, I put Scary Movie, with the exception of Scary Movie 3, like I said, because Zucker Raven Zucker mm-hmm. worked on it and did, like, rewrites. It's in the same boat as, like, Disaster Movie, Date Movie, and dare I say it, Movie 43. The only movie I have ever watched that I almost walked out of. Yeah. It's the only movie I've ever... I was this close to walking out because I was... Because that was the one that was advertised. Look at all the celebrities that made it into this movie. And it turns out most of them just got fucking blackmailed into being in it. And I'm pretty sure that we went to go see that one together with like I think a we group did, of yeah. friends. And I've never felt so deflated walking out of everyone just being like, why the fuck did we go there? It's more as well. It's, you know when people say something's painful to watch? Mm-hmm. And it's like, I never understood that until I watched Movie 43. And specifically, and I think you know which one I'm going to mention, don't you? Of the, the speed dating scene where they're like Batman and Robin. Oh, God. And it's like 15 minutes long. Yeah. And, and it's, it... it's it's so long. And it, it feels like an SNL skit where they just said, just, just improvise. Just fill time and, until and the adverts, right? Like... And it is painful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I um, I just I remember thinking watching that movie is like every single one of these could have been like a single punchline and move on. And but, they, yeah, I say they just drag it out because they had to. Well, we've got these celebrities, like let's do it. And yeah, that's what and that's what I see those scary movies as, like, with the exception of the third one, because that was actually worked on by people who were good at parody. Mm-hmm. Um. And this movie apparently parodies Scream 1, 2, and 3? What yeah, because like, they're, they're all basically the same movie, weren't they? And but that's like, the thing as well, like, Scream 3 out by then? Probably. It might, you know what, it might come out that year. Yeah. Because by the end of it, like those scary movie movies and like the um, like the movie movies, like disaster movie stuff, they were parodying stuff that yeah. was in the trailers for movies. Scream like remember the superhero three. one? Oh, it's Scream 3 also 2000. Yeah, they were parodying stuff from the trailers of movies. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the thing. Do you know you say, like, and to properly parody something, you need to have a, at the very least, a decent understanding of what it is. Yeah. They were literally parodying stuff from the trailers, which means they didn't even, they hadn't even watched the movie. They just knew the, like, oh, here's a scene that we can put into our movie mm-hmm. and put a fart joke in it. And it's like, that's not what, that's not parody. <laughs> that's just putting a fart joke into a scene. Um, so, yeah, the, Parody, um, the Scream Let's trilogy. Um, so Bobby and Ray <laughs> remark how Scream didn't have a plot. Uh, the killer is Ghostface. Um, it does have a plot. Scream does. Scary movie does have a fucking yeah. plot. Um, the theater scene with Brenda, also Ray being stabbed through the ear with a killer's penis. Oh yeah, because remember Lucas, like Joe, what's really funny? Rape. Yeah. You would not believe how many of like those moments in those first two scary movie movies are just. Do you know what's really funny? Sexual assault. Oh god! Like, not only did two thousands comedy not age well, two thousands parody comedy, parody in big air quotes. It's like, mm. oh god, just awful. And then, uh, just the Scream Three homage is apparently just shorty films of tape saying how to survive a trilogy. It's like, is that really parody? Is it? What's the thing? Like, they're parodying Scream, which is already itself a parody, 
mm-hmm. of the horror genre and is like a masterful takedown of it because it takes all of its tropes and turns them on their head. Mm-hmm. So you have like the bit with like the guy sat in front of the TV of like, don't go in there, don't go in there. It's like the killer's right behind him. And it's, it reminds me of that. There's that great quote about like Waluigi. Isn't that like, why Waluigi's not a character? Because <laughs> like Wario, isn't it like, you know, he's the shadow of Mario. Mm-hmm. But when people think Waluigi is like the shadow of Luigi, it's like, he's not. Like he's the Luigi, he's, he's the shadow of Wario. So he's the shadow of a shadow. Yeah. It's like, that's what scary movie one and two are. It's like, they're not parody. They're parodies of something that is a parody. So it's like, doing your like artifact a JPEG and he just gets worse. <laughs> it's the movie equivalent of an artifact a JPEG. And that is the entire thing that they like base their movie off is like, we're going to make a parody of Scream. It's like, do you mean the movie that was meant to be a breakdown of slasher films? Yeah, made by people who actually understand these movies instead of just going, ha-ha, put a dick joke in here. And that's the thing is, I was tempted to talk about Scream, but, like, a lot of talking about Scream would be like, oh, hey, this is actually a really good movie. The Scream movies are really good, yeah. And I I, I only really remember Scream 1, and mostly because of just Matthew Lillard's performance. But I like, think... Yeah, one of the later ones where there was a huge uproar about it because the killer just starts using a gun. And I was oh, like, well, this, right. like, no, because he runs around with a butcher's knife. That's his thing. But I'll tell you one thing that's really scary is when just like the guy in Scream, Ghostface, says, fuck it, shotgun. <laughs> just <laughs> Ghostface with a, It's terrifying when you see Ghostface with a shotgun. And he's like running around a fucking like mini mall with a shotgun. It's like, I'd be scared of that. It's one thing trying to run away from a guy that's just got a knife. It's like, Running away from a shotgun, dear God. Um, then, of course, the other main parody was um, I Know What You Did Last Summer. Um, the killer uses a hook. He has also seen similar to The Fisherman. And then when the uh, friends accidentally run The Fisherman over, the note says, I know what you did last Halloween. And again, mm-hmm. I don't understand how that's meant to be funny. It's just, I I, I know I was, that yeah. this movie exists. Well, that's what it is. It's like, it's reference. Yeah. It's funny because reference. It's like, I, there are a couple of moments though. I said a single out of the one, why would you be scared of a skeleton? I like the intro. I like the intro to Scary Movie 1, mm-hmm. where it's like, oh, I think it's the intro. It's like a part where she's like running away. And it's one of those things where it's like, it's like five seconds and it's the funniest part of the entire movie. Where like Cindy is like, oh no, the phone line's been cut. I'll send an email. And she oh, sends an email yeah. to the police. It just says, white woman in distress. And like a police car turns up the second later. That's yeah. really funny. That's a really funny thing. White woman in distress. Woo, woo, woo. That was funny. That and was like, a really funny joke. Again, just, um, you know, the moment, for example, where like ghost faces hiding behind the curtains. Like, you'll never guess where I am. And the joke is just, well, I can see your feet. Do you know what the best bit is as well? They actually do that in one of the Scream movies. Because like, <laughs> Courtney Cox is in those movies. Yeah, yeah. Right, so like, and they bring her back for one of the sequels, and she's just done. And like, Ghost, Ghostface calls her up and says, Hello there, I'm going to get you. And she goes, Fuck off, hangs up, immediately calls him back, and then here's where the phone's ringing, just shoots in that direction. It's like... The thing is, though, that's in a Scream movie, mm-hmm. and that's really clever. Yeah. I really like how they do that. And, it's like, and I don't think scary movies ever done anything that clever, except with a handful. Like there's a like I said, the white woman in distress joke did genuinely put me on my ass. Mm-hmm. It's just, but then it's like it, that's five seconds of the movie, and the rest of it is like weed and dick jokes. Yeah, it's like oh the was up, and it's like oh. oh, which goes on for like five minutes. Oh, yeah. So do you, do you remember was up, Lucas? Oh, do you remember God. Ghostface getting high? And like you know, I I like the idea of like. Oh, we're all getting high, and the killer... Like, we're so high, we didn't notice the killer was in the room with us. We're all just having a laugh. But you know what other movie did that? Scream. Oh, did it? Because they're pissed out. It's not that high, they're drunk in that movie. Yeah, It's like, okay, so so what are you actually saying different? It's like, like, basically what you've done is you've just recreated the film with worse actors. all this is looking through these parodies. It's like, how did we parody The Sixth Sense? They said, I see dead people. That's not a parody. It's just yeah. saying a line out of a different movie. And that's the thing of like, and it's like, that's not parody, but like, you know, the white woman distress joke is. Because that's mm-hmm. like, you know, it's taking a part of that genre and like, you know, drawing attention to it. Mm-hmm. 
I, I guess like the joke they they keep making is like you know black people die first in horror movies. They keep making that joke mm. over and over. But then they like they run that into the ground. Yeah. Um, and again, that's something Scream does multiple times. It's like if you're gonna, like, you're not really noticing or having any insight here. That's not already been noticed by the thing you're parodying. And another movie that I'm not sure. So references, I still don't know. I still know what you did last summer. Is that a sequel to I know what you did last summer? Is that a parody of it? Yeah, and I know what you did last summer is it's basically a feature length version of the classic um, campfire story of mm-hmm. the woman who hits someone with her car. Yeah. So oh, you killed someone, and then you keep it a big secret, and then the killer comes back. Yeah. Oh, and then like, um, it's like The Exorcist. It's like. Which has the, already been the line, Look, if it's about that time I puked green slime and masturbated with a crucifix, it was my first, first keg party, Bobby. It's like... I guess that's slightly more parodic than just saying the line, but just... It just really eeks of the comedy of that time and, like, they also... Uh, Laziness, makes, I think is the word you're looking for. Yeah, lazy and shit. And just, like... Cindy makes exorcist roars while having sex with Bobby. Mm-hmm. It's like how how funny it's like, dear God, I can't believe how like revered these kind of movies were at the time in terms of like not necessarily like um, critical success, but just cultural success. Oh yeah, like people would like um, uh, like reference those movies endlessly. Mm-hmm. And that's just, why I said, like, the third one is the best one, because that is a send-up to Signs and 8 Mile. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think it's great. It's immediately like, wait a minute, Signs the Alien movie and 8 Mile? It's like, exactly. That's why the Zucker yeah. brothers are so good at that sort of thing. And it has, like, some of my favorite lines in any movie, like where just a guy baseball bats the head off an alien. It's like, guys, guys, without their heads, they're powerless. And it's like... um. So yeah, that like you know, a few of these references get a bit more like um, complex. But have you got just... the one where they reference a commercial for Nike? Um, it doesn't specifically say a Nike commercial here. Yeah, they they reference a commercial where someone does a basketball. Oh, because it was out um, that year and they saw it on TV. It it does mention the Budweiser What's Up campaign. Yep, of like yeah. So nothing makes it timeless like that. On the phone and the what's up bit from scary movie was a parody of the Budweiser what's up advert campaign which is one of the most obnoxious adverts mm-hmm. i think it keeps winning awards of like most obnoxious adverts because it's one of those adverts where people just copied it thinking joy i call it like joy people just they'll quote something and think that's funny mm-hmm. that's what that did yeah like the, it's like the amount of people who just think, like, well, instead of telling a joke, it would be really funny right now if I just go, what's up? It's like, that's not funny. You're and just saying something you saw. I think the primary example of, like, someone parodying that correctly is in The Office. Where, like, oh, because Michael, Michael Scott, Scott yeah. thinks it's, like, the funniest thing. He keeps going around in the early season, like, what's up? And it's, oh, that's what she said, yeah. Yeah, and the entire point is that that character doesn't know comedy and is obnoxious as hell and that's the type of person that would run around and go what's up yeah and the joke is is that it's not funny which makes it funny mm-hmm. like yeah and speaking of not funny carl the okay. reception to the movie um it received mixed reviews from critics on rotten tomatoes 53 percent of critics gave the film a positive review based on 109 reviews mm-hmm. and uh, Joe Layden of Entertainment Weekly gave the film a positive review, remarking that the film was unbounded by taste, inhibition, or political correctness, and that the outer limits of R-rated respectability are stretched, if not shredded, by the movie. Do you know what I love when someone's described as being politically incorrect? Because <laughs> you know that mean? that means they just make gay jokes. Mm-hmm. Like I said, the Wayans brothers of. Um, just come under fire in recent years. Like, why are, like, so many of your movies and projects just misogynistic? What's with all these old tweets? Mm. Do you know that classic one of, like, what's with these old tweets? 
Yeah. But I, I will that. say, though, the one person I appreciate is that Anna Faris. Her performance mm. is very good. She's very good at playing. Um, uh, just, like, scared. Well, she's a really great comedian. I'm surprised she's not in more comedic roles because she's really good in that film as Sydney Prescott. And she's or Cindy Campbell in that movie. in, like, three movies, right? Three of the scary movies. Yeah. Yeah, and there's a, there's a reason why. Because, yeah, she just sells that really well. Oh, I um, forgot, Lucas. I, I, I forgot. I forgot. There's a character in Scary Movie called Miss Man. And the joke oh, is that no. in the the joke is that they've got testicles. Great. By contrast, Carl, mm-hmm. Roger Ebert did not find the film as innovative. Oh, saying that the think? film lacked the shocking impact of an airplane, which had the advantage of breaking new ground. Um however, he did give the film three stars out of four, saying it delivers the goods calling the film a raucous, satirical attack on slasher movies. Yep. I'll never forget that Roger Ebert gave a positive review to that film. I think it's called, like, Kripke's Lost Tribe. Right. Where I think it's Richard Dreyfuss. He says, like, oh, no, I'm going to get, like, I'm an anthropology anthropology professor, and I've been found out. So I've found this lost, uncontacted tribe. And what he does is he puts his kids in blackface and films them in his backyard. Mm. And Roger Ebert gave it a positive review because it's like, yeah, it's, it's like just literally a film of all the principal actors wearing blackface, um, running around in grass skirts and fake mud huts, making clicking noises with their mouths. Mm-hmm. And he's like, this is a really great comedy. God damn. And, um, Yep. funny going through the cameos here. And it's like, a, I guess there's a few of them, yeah. Well, it's more funny seeing, like, Jennifer Coolidge was offered the role of Miss Man, but turned it down. Hey, J- Jared Leto was offered to play Bobby during the early stage of the casting. He eventually declined in favour of doing Requiem for a Dream, which also starred Marlon Wayans. Uh, Alicia oh, yeah, Silverstone was offered the role of Cindy, but turned it down. It's like, a shame she's she's a pretty decent actor, but it's probably a good thing to get the fuck away from this project. What's the problem? I say that like Andy Anna Faris is really good in the movie. Like she's really good at delivering her lines of like you know, exasperated comedic woman intonation. Mm-hmm. But it's just a shame that you have like all these other fuck like just like the character of Miss Man. Well, you Carl. know you know they wrote it, and you know they were laughing as they wrote that character of like Joe. Be really funny. Cult. If this character is a woman, but she's got testicles, because, yeah. In the scene where Cindy is in Miss Man's office, there, there is go. a Nazi SS uniform hanging to the right of Miss Man. Oh, yeah, because I think the joke is that they're... Um, uh, I, think, I think the character it says here, because uh, I have it in front of me, yeah, American fitness model and actress, so I imagine, I think he's like a like buff lady. Mm-hmm. Instead, oh, from Eastern Europe or something like that. That's obviously a joke, isn't course, it? Yeah. They've taken steroids and they have a atypical body type for a woman. So, you know what that means, Lucas? That means fair game for being made fun of in these movies. And I think, like, just you know, it really sums it up here of just what the fuck was going on with this film. Okay. Like the script for scary movies, actually, a combination of two scripts. Dimension films brought in from 1998. One script, The Last Summer I Screamed Because Halloween Fell on the Friday the 13th, written by the Waynes Brothers and Phil Bowman. And also, Scream If You Know What I Did Last Halloween by Jason Friedberg and Aaron Seltzer. Um, The latter two of which are two of the six writers of Scary Movie who went on to make Date Movie, Epic Movie and other substandard parody movies. Oh, just, you know, just a, a clash of titans right there, comedic <laughs> juggernauts, all working together. Like, how, like, the thing is, though, the fact that this movie took five writers yeah, to come course, together, they ju- just... <laughs> it took six writers, apparently. Two of the six writers of Scary Movie is quoted there. It's like, six writers to come up with this shit show of just laziness. And awful jokes. I think that's the thing, yeah. It's like, it's laziness mm-hmm. is the key there. Like, it's like parody. You don't really get it much anymore. 
because it, it takes effort. Like you need to like you need to have such like a deep understanding of the thing that you're making fun of, and that's difficult to do. Well, again, you know, we talked like the other week about Shaun of the Dead, which was a yeah. great breakdown and parody of zombie movies. Well, it's the same also, kind of film, though, isn't it? Like same Scream, boat. Scream is just a breakdown and parody of slasher films, but these are like the parody movies. But yeah, apparently Shaun of the Dead and Scream just on the same level. Yeah. I can't believe someone said that. What are you doing, people? How are you watching these two movies and thinking they're of the same standard? Well, because they're both making fun of tropes and stuff from horror movies. So they're yeah, the but same, one of them right? thought about it. <laughs> but they're the same. They're the same, right? I think that, that it really is the perfect way to just break down what is good and bad parody is to, to put those two movies side by side. Children of the Dead versus Scary Movie. Instead of like, oh, the third one. Like, the th- like I said, the third one. Let's double check. I'm pretty sure it was Zucker, Abram Zucker. Uh, or it may have just been two of them. Right. So it was directed by David Zucker. So he's like right. one of the guys who did Airplane, but it was written by two other people. Mm-hmm. But I think just having the hand of someone who was actually involved with like Airplane, just at the helm. So I stand corrected. It wasn't a Zucker Abram Zucker production, but it was produced by one. And I think the other brother did a uncredited rewrite of the script. Mm-hmm. And just yeah, it's such an interesting thing to look back on of what not only was made around two thousand, mm-hmm. but also widely accepted and fine. Well, that's one of the things that's really fascinating to go back and look at comedy and stuff like what was acceptable fodder for comedy back then. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, we for years and years got these parody movies and they're probably still coming out, but no one really gives a shit when movie 43 came out. Like, no one was really talking about it other than how bad it was. And mm-hmm. I know that was still like 10 years ago or whatever, but when Scary Movie came out, that was actually successful and popular. Oh, yeah. And spawned four sequels. Like, it was five. It well, it said it, it said it went up to Scary Movie Five. Ah, okay. I, so I was like, there's had to, yeah. I figured there had to be a director's DVD sequel somewhere, but I guess not. But yeah, that it's just it's really fascinating to me that not only was this just a shit parody film, it was one that was like seen as very popular. Yeah, and so like I would recommend you the third one watch because it's, it's Leslie Nielsen. I see it as just like like. Those those lesser Leslie Nielsen films, like you had like mm. Spy Hard and um, like Dead and Loving It, and that weren't great. But because Leslie Nielsen is such a fantastic comedic actor, mm-hmm. like one of his best line readings in any film he appeared in is where they have for some reason a cameo from the entire Wu Tang Clan, where they have a gang war, and just like they all die, and just Leslie Nielsen comes out and goes, "These men died for their country. Send flowers to their bitches and hoes." And you're like. Just performance of his career, right? And that's the thing, just that's what you need. You need like that staid leading man type person to deliver lines like that. Because mm-hmm. I think that's the joke they always made about um scary movie of oh not scary, um, those parody movies where they that weren't directed by Zucker, Abrams and Zucker. They made Leslie Nielsen play up how like silly it is. It's like, no, it's mm-hmm. funnier when he delivers the line completely straight. Mm-hmm. That's way funnier that He's the very person good at that, yeah. And that's why you have like someone has like Charlie Sheen in it, and he's like making fun of like Eight Mile, and that's like the one where he's just like he's like um, uh, talk. They just parody that bit in Signs, is it? Yeah, the bit in Signs where um, uh, he's talking to the policewoman, and like his wife's died, and the, just for no reason the policewoman's hat just keeps getting bigger, and just the, the entire scene Charlie Sheen's he's like, huh? But because he plays it completely straight, and it's just for no reason the policewoman's hat keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. It, just, it cracks me up so much. Oh, dear. But yeah, that was that was scary movie, everyone. <laughs> just something that I just I cannot believe existed in the way it did. I just can't believe it basically gave us, like, indirectly or not, it gave us date movie, movie 43, Meet the Spartans. Mm-hmm. Which it is the worst of those, you think? Of just terrible, 
terrible films for 20 years. What do you think was the worst of those? I mean, so movie like, 43. I, 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 guess, yeah, I guess just like movie 43, because it's like, <laughs> it's not even a movie. Like, it is yeah. like 15 unfunny ideas stretched out over an hour and 40 minutes. Yeah. And again, I, I, like the only funny part of that is like the little skits they did that weren't made by them. Yeah. They were like, I think they were skits that they bought from other comedians. I genuinely think that might be the worst thing I've ever sat through. I said, it's the only film I've ever thought about walking out of. And I'm the person who says, like, I'll watch any old shit. <laughs> and that's like, I saw there's almost no value to it, but I, I sat through. I can mm-hmm. say I did it. Do you like those things like I voted? Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I want to say I, I watched, I watched movie, 43 movie 43 all the way through. And all I got was this lousy t-shirt. Well, speaking of, I you know getting free stuff for watching things. Oh, 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 this is joke. We can win things by watching. Today's uh, podcast is sponsored, isn't it, Lucas? It is indeed. And Go on. I was going to say, maybe we're better off talking about this after I take a quick break. Okay, no problem. So far away, Lucas, we're back. And uh, as mentioned at the start of this uh, podcast, this episode is sponsored by a movie. Because, you know, we're talking about movies today. Mm-hmm. And I mentioned, like, you know, winning things by watching. Like, you can certainly like, win things by helping and supporting over at the Indiegogo link um, found below on Halloween. As well, launching an Indiegogo for a horror movie on Halloween is like a pretty baller move. But Lucas, tell us more about this movie. So you've got like the little fact sheet. So I got them to, I got them to make a little fact okay. sheet for you. Because I've worked with these guys already where they sponsored a few fact theme videos, but then they had to, uh, they pushed production back a little bit and then they contacted me again. Like, okay, now we're ready to go. We're launching on Halloween. Can we sponsor some Wiki Weekends episodes as well? I'm like, hell yeah, you can. Let's go. <laughs> So, uh, one moment while I pull up this PDF. Yeah, that's there it. They actually go. wrote Luke's a little fact sheet. They and did. to be clear, like this, these are not like, we have to say this. It's more they sent Lucas just a little fact sheet. Like, here's just some fun facts about the movie. And like, they're actually super interesting, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Like, you see the one, it's like filmed on location in this like weird ass bunker in Canada. Yeah. Full of gold. It's like, uh, they say that 90% of the film is shot in Canada's Cold War bunker which is a government facility, military base, and fallout shelter, that got turned into a museum. And I had to clarify to you, like, oh, does that mean that they that this is, like, a fictional bunker? It's like, no, they actually got to film on location. Yeah, in this, like, weird-ass bunker. And that's cool as hell. And they yeah. do straight away say, like, we don't expect you to endorse the movie as something you like. We haven't seen the movie. We can't Exactly, and yeah, I appreciate that. Like, you know, it's not something we've seen, but I, from what I've spoke to, like, I've been speaking to uh, their... You know, they're the liaison who has the name Brendan Butt. Mm-hmm. So, for just keeping my folks at home, I've got like a 50 email long chain talking to this person since like, you know, March of this year that just says communication between Butt and Smallwood. <laughs> and that alone, I think, is worth the cost of entry. <laughs> and of course, um, the movie is I'll Be Glad When You're Dead. Yes. The campaign launches, as you say, Carl. On Indiegogo on Halloween 2023, of course, October 31st. Yeah, so we're doing some, like, some pre-release um, uh, hype building for that. So, mm-hmm. um, And the one uh, thing that I found <clears throat> very interesting is, uh, you know, I had to laugh to you about it, is that they mentioned the crew usually makes Christmas movies all year round. Yes. And they're, they're finally getting to, like, Take a break and do some horror stuff and do some Halloween things. So I got some details on this where I asked for clarification. And I did some check-in and like I think like the executive producer works on one of those, those Hallmark Christmas movies. Like, she's an uptight lawyer from Insert Big City. She's gone home because <laughs> she wants to get porked by this handsome man who woodworks to learn the true meaning of Christmas. And I was like, I can imagine. And people don't know those movies. They don't make them near Christmas. They make them like in March. Mm-hmm. And, like, I asked for clarification, like, so almost all of your crew works on, like, these Hallmark Christmas. It's like, yeah, now you can see why they're really excited to work on a movie where we get to kill people. Yeah. Like, should you imagine working on those kind of movies and be a, and how... All year round. All year. And think about how much you'd want to, like, how much of a palate cleanser it'd be to make a slasher movie. Mm-hmm. Which is what the movie is. It's a slasher movie. And like, any good slasher movie, like, you know, they have a villain... I can't tell you who the villain is because that's a secret, but the villain uses an axe. And one of the things you can get for supporting the Indiegogo is you can get a screen-used axe. You can appear in the movie as a scream off-camera. 
which I'm going to record at some point, but I need to let my neighbours know if you hear me screaming in my house. <laughs> it's not because I'm playing Metal Gear Rising with Vengeance and losing again. It's because I'm recording something for work. Oh, dear. So you can be like a voice or scream in the movie. They're doing like a Blu-ray release and a VHS release. And I'm so excited because I've asked, can you send me one of the VHSs? I'd love to have a VHS on a... Why have you got a VHS? It's like, oh, it's for a, a movie that I'm in. And they're like, wait, what? It's like, you can say that too. So you could I, legit have a VHS on your shelf and say, that's a movie that I'm in. Yeah. Because your I screens could be in it. Loved as well. Like, again, they sent across like a little fact sheet for me just to, yeah. to mention stuff. And the, the phrasing, we chose VHS for the meme and the lols of an 80s homage. I'm like, I respect that so much of like, we did it for the memes. Do it, that's what I'm doing for the gram. Let's go. And that's it. And just, I've been in communication with Brendan from, like, you know, their team for like six to eight months now. And one of the things that I think it's not pertinent to the project, which I hope if people think it sounds interesting, at least like, check out the links below, check out their socials and all that good stuff. Yeah. But the one thing I think just speaks to the character of the people making this is that they paid me upfront for those fact theme videos they sponsored. Mm hmm. And then told me, like, we'll still pay you, even if they're not going out. And it's the same for this. Of like They offered to pay me ahead of time. Pay mm-hmm. us, I should say, for these sponsor plugs yeah. ahead of time. Because they say, no, like, you know, we know your guys work. We trust you to like, make it good. And they're just like that level. I guess it's the opposite of professionalism. Because that's not what a professional would do. <laughs> it's but, like casualism. You know, just, but that, that level of, like, you know, trust and just mm-hmm. um, uh, and faith in that we're going like, to, you know, do a good job promoting it. Yeah, That's just it, like, it speaks to the character. Parties to do their parts at some yeah. point. And and I, you know, um, I just thought it was a really fun, like little story. It sounds like an interesting thing. Like, you know, I love horror movies does, yeah. of all kinds. And obviously, uh, you know, we're over here on Wiki Weekends. We're also uh, teaming up with them over on Fact Fiend, and they say, like, you know, for anyone interested. In a bunch of fact stuff, they are making a fact-filled yearbook as well. Which, yeah, that's the thing because it's, it's, it's a bunch of kids going into this bunker shenanigans ensue in that theme they're also in a yearbook and that's like again sticking with a the theme like, you it, could... I feel like it fits our brand quite well as well yep to work with us yeah so, I, I love that idea as well like sticking to the theme of like you know it's school kids getting um, uh, like, you know shit pushed in by a guy with an axe mm-hmm. it's like well what's the like you know the art book for the film going to be it's going to be a yearbook <laughs> it's just like I, I appreciate that level of consistency in the branding yeah, and that's the thing, again, we've not seen the movie. I don't know too much about it other than like what Carl's mentioned on the fact sheet I've got, but just it sounds like they're doing a lot of fun things and just as as we said, like it's just a bunch of people that made Christmas movies a lot and are like finally having fun with being able to do something Halloween related. Like I said, passion projects. Mm-hmm. And like you know, like I said, as someone's been speaking with like members of their team for like months now, the passion has come through. Like, so like yeah. even when they were doing their hiatus, I was still getting like updates and stuff from brendan who was sending like you know behind the scenes shots and um details like yeah we're doing this now we're we're, we're excited because we managed to get this extra detail this stretch goal we're Mm. planning to do this 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 and this so yeah if any of this sounds interesting to you like check out the links below and i think it'll be a pre-launch page below Mm -hmm. and you can go check out like the actual um uh, indiegogo page itself on oh oh, i thought you were going to jump in for me Oh, okay. I, I was waiting like, for you. I was like, come I, on, Lucas. We, 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 we were so in sync. <laughs> the thing is, because your, your camera froze earlier during filming. Did you think I was I like, oh, his camera's frozen again. No. You, you stayed so perfectly still. Yeah. Uh, you know be good? I'd be good in a horror movie. <laughs> Just get the old, Wah! So that's the thing. So I want to do a real scream. Or do I want to do a like, Wah! Try and do like a Wilhelm scream again and put in that. I can always do like my... Uh, my Mario screen, because I'm pretty good at that either. I'm pretty good at that one. The best part is because of we're on Discord, it just cuts all that out for me. It does, yeah. So I can just see Carl attempting to scream towards me and hearing nothing. Oh, no. Well, yeah, thank you to uh, the guys at I'll Be Glad When You're Dead. I you know, wish you the best of luck. Much appreciate you reaching out to sponsor the Wiki Weekends. But, you know, it's my turn for my wiki. And I brought, again, it's not about a movie but it's movie related and it's you know speaking of passion speaking of like you know someone who just like just has a real passion for the craft of making horror and entertainment more like first and foremost 
Okay. The wiki I've chosen is on William Castle. Are you familiar at all with the American film director, producer, screenwriter, and actor, William Castle? So I know the name William Castle, but I'm pretty sure that's just because you've mentioned William Castle to me before. Okay, so let's put everyone on the same page now then. So, obviously, links to the wikis can be found below, but William Castle, born William Schloss Jr., was an American film director, producer, screenwriter, actor. He was orphaned at 11. He dropped out of high school at 15 to work in theatre and came to the attention of Columbia Pictures for his talent at communication and promotion. He learned the trade of filmmaking, became a director, acquired a reputation for being able to quickly churn out highly competent B-movies on a budget. Mm. And that's similar to one of my filmmaking heroes, which is Roger Corman, uh, known as a B-movie auteur, and he is famous for never releasing a movie that didn't turn a profit. Admittedly, some of those movies made like $400,000, but they all made a profit. And that's kind of the art of B-movies, though, right? It's like making something well enough on a small enough budget that like, if you go and make a million dollars, you're making a profit. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that's really funny about like his career is that like, you know he was known for directing horrors and thrillers, but he was also, for some reason, a producer on Rosemary's Baby. I don't know what Rosemary's Baby is. Just like one of like you know those like seminal horror movies, but you know sticking with the theme, it was mm-hmm. directed by William uh, Roman Polanski. Oh right. So you know what? The less said about that, the better. Let's move on yeah. instead to the dumb stuff that William Castle would do. So just a little bit of background on him. At thirteen, he saw a play, um, Dracula, starring Bella Lugosi, and was entranced by both the vampire and the performance. Uh, he watched performance after a performance, eventually managing to meet Lugosi himself. He wrote in his autobiography, Step Right Up, I'm Going to Scare the Pants Off America, which is a great name for an autobiography. I knew then and there what I wanted to do with my life. I wanted to scare the pants off of audiences. Uh, Lugosi recommended him for the position of assistant stage manager for the road company tour of the play. At 15 years old, he dropped out of high school to take the job, which don't do that. No. Don't do that. But So that's one thing I was going to ask. Does that then mean that they had a career in um, like live performances, not necessarily just films? His background was theatre, yes. Yeah, yeah. But that background gave him some like, you know, connections and like, allowed him to cut his teeth, um, which allowed, like, for example, he obtained Orson Welles' telephone number and persuaded Welles somehow to lease him the Stony Creek Theatre in Connecticut as Welles was leaving to begin filming Citizen Kane. So, so nothing much then, yeah. No, so he somehow got a hold of Orson Welles. He then hired the German actress, and I hope I pronounced this name correctly, Ellen Schwanake. Upon learning that, under then-current Guild regulations, German-born actors could only appear in plays originally performed in Germany. Okay. Because racism. Um uh, so what he did then is Castle claimed he had hired her for the non-existent play Das Ich Neck für Kinder, not for the children, and then spent the following weekend writing the play. So he, <laughs> so he made up a play and then having it translated into German. So he wrote a play that was fake, had it translated into German, and then convinced people that was a real German play. Fair enough. That's commitment. And it says here that when Nazi Germany sent Schwanke an invitation to a Munich performance, Castle seized the opportunity for an outrageous publicity stunt that would become a staple of his career. So he released to the newspapers what he claims the telegram he had sent turning down the request and portrayed his star as the girl who said no to Hitler. <laughs> so just like already you can just see like, you know, the wheels turning in his head of like, okay, I'm going to get this like this. I can get this German actress for cheap because she's like not really well known over here. Oh no, there's a rule that says I can only perform. She can only perform in plays featuring uh, well, that were written in Germany while make up a play that was in Germany. Oh, I'm just going to make sure, you know, do you know what people in America love right now? Telling Hitler to go fuck himself. <laughs> so my actress did that. To add to, to add to the sensationalism, he secretly vandalised the theatre and painted swastikas on the exterior. It worked. The resulting publicity ensured the play's success. I mean, that's one way to get yourself noticed. That, that would give him his God. talent. Like, you yeah. had just like this seeming like, you know, affinity for um, just weird gimmicks. Not like, you know, gimmicks where he's like, is uh, bread and butter. Now, speaking of mm. which, um, 
There's literally a title on his Wikipedia page that says gimmicks. So, ambitions unsatisfied. He worked briefly at Columbia Pictures. He says the castle began making films independently. The inspiration of the 1955 French dialogue, uh, the French psychological thriller, Le Diabolique, set the genre he would choose. He financed his first movie, Macabre, in 1958 by mortgaging his own house. He came up with an idea to to give every customer who watched the movie a certificate for a $1,000 life insurance policy from Lloyds of London in case they died of fright during the film. (laughs) That's the thing. How good is that? That's why I thought I'd pick this one. So, you know, the Indiegogo for um, Mm. uh, I'll Be Glad When You're Dead has always, like, you know, you can get a VHS copy of it. That's a neat gimmick. That's a good way of getting people to be, like, interested who maybe otherwise wouldn't be. It's like, mm-hmm. give everyone who walks in a $1,000 life insurance policy because you might die a fright. And, yeah, I was going to say, like this person somehow seemingly built a career out of, like, just the poorest decisions in life of, like, oh, I'm going to I'm gonna drop out of high school. I'm going to put a mortgage on my house just to, like, benefit this, like, first project of mine. Like, these are terrible ideas, but... It does always make for fun stories when it does work out for a certain It person. does. He also stationed nurses in the lobbies with hearses parked outside the theatres. <laughs> Obviously, no one did die, but like you hear about the movie where have you heard this movie's so scary that they give you a life insurance policy when you walk in? Like, they've got to have nurses in the foyer in case someone dies. And do you know who else did that? <coughs> oh, Lucy's coughing. That's not the name of the guy. That's not his name. Well, while Lucy's coffee, I'll say this was also a favoured technique of Alfred Hitchcock. Ah, uh, uh, right, okay. He, yes. he, like, he didn't go to the same extreme lengths as um, uh, Castle did, at least not for all of his movies, but very famously when Psycho came out, one of the things Hitchcock did is it was based on a novel. He bought every copy of the novel available for sale in the city it premiered and then announced what? that to the press. So that, like, no People one couldn't could spoil it. it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that's one of the things, like, have you heard that, like, you know, he bought every copy of it? Again, just gets you some column inches. He also, um, uh, at the time when, like, he was making movies, it was, like, common practice for people to just walk into the theatre whenever they wanted to. Because mm. it was just a thing of, like, you just want something to do. You can walk in halfway through the performance and walk out. Um, he specifically instructed theatres showing Psycho to lock the doors after um, uh, the performance had begun and that no one would be allowed entry. <laughs> and the trailer for the film is just him reading the novel, saying, I'd show you a clip from the film, but it's too scary. And then he just sit there. <laughs> and again, it's like, you know, just those gimmicks that made people want to go see it. Like, wait, what is this? What's, all, what's the deal with this film? Yeah, just when, you know, word spreads that these movies are so terrifying that you can't even see them. At the very least, you just want to be part of, like, the conversation. You don't want to be left intrigued. out. Yeah. It's like, uh, you know, when a hot new thing comes out nowadays, like, you don't want to be the person who hasn't seen Squid Game. Mm. Like, you don't want to, you know, not be part of, like, you know, the conversation. Do you reckon, like, I mean, there must have been. But even back then, there were those really annoying people of, like, well, I'm specifically not going to go watch Psycho because everyone keeps talking about it. And, like, yep. I don't want to be part of the zeitgeist. You did have people like that, yes. Of course. And Hitchcock didn't care because they didn't watch his movies, so he didn't give a fuck. But no, <laughs> other films and gimmicks soon followed. Right, you know, so it, this included, but was not limited to, House on Haunted Hill in 1959, filmed in Emergovision. A skeleton with red-lighted eye sockets attached to a wire would float over the audience in the final moments of some showings of the film parallel to the action on screen when a skeleton rises from a vat of acid and pursues the villainous wife of Vincent Price's character. So, like, what, what, just threw skeletons at people. Basically, yeah. So what would happen is you'd be watching the film and it'd say on the, the poster and in the trailer of, like, in this film, we have Emergio Vision, where... A monster from the film will emerge from the screen. And you're like, oh my god, what happens? And it's just a skeleton on wires going, Woo! <laughs> but he says, hear that. Once word spread about the skeleton, children would enjoy trying to knock it down. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing is, though, those kids would pay to go to the film again. Yeah. Like, people would pay to go in to try and spot the skeleton. And, mm-hmm. like, that's the thing, he didn't care. It doesn't matter if people are going in to throw popcorn at my skeleton, they've still mm-hmm. paid for a ticket. Yeah. And I, and, I, and I love that idea of, like, kids would go in and try and, like, just knock the skeleton down. 
It's getting bums on seats. Bums on seats. We have The Tingler, 1959, filmed in Percepto Vision. You might notice a trend here. The title character is a creature that attaches itself to the human spinal cord, is activated by fright, and can be destroyed only by screaming. Oh, okay. Castle purchased surplus military airplane wing de-icers, which is basically some motor that vibrates very violently to remove ice from the wings of airplanes. Mm-hmm. He then had crews travel from theatre to theatre, attaching them to the undersides of some of the seats. <laughs> not in all the, of them. Not all of them. And in the finale, uh, one of the creatures is said to have gotten loose into the movie theatre itself. The buzzers were activated as the film star, Vincent Price, warned the audience to scream, scream for your lives. So what happens is the film stops and the main character goes up to the front and says, there's a tingler loose in the audience. (coughs) You will feel, as you know from the film, if you feel a vibration, uh, you know, the base of your spine, that's the tingler trying to get you. Mm-hmm. scream if you want it to stop. Now imagine you, you hear that, and then an airplane wing de-icer <laughs> goes off under your seat. And of course, obviously, you're going to shit yourself, aren't you? Mm-hmm. And again, people learn that he'd do this, and people would like race in to find which seat had that on, of to course, sit in yeah. that seat to experience that moment. Again, they'd buy multiple tickets to go see it. But isn't, isn't that amazing, though? I, I love the idea of just dumb gimmicks to get people to go and watch a film. Literally putting bums on seats and then, like, you know, scaring them off. Yeah. Well, I just love the idea of, like, there's a tingler loose in the audience. <laughs> just launch people out of their chairs. Oh, 13 ghosts filmed in Illusiono. Each patron received a handheld ghost viewer slash remover during certain segments. So basically a 3D glasses. Um, during certain segments of the film, a person could see the ghost by looking through the red cellophane or hide them by looking through the blue. So that was the gimmick of you get told, of like, oh, you can only see the ghost if you look through the red, but if it's too scary, look through the blue. And you could slide it from side to side. And, and again... blue vision the entire way. And it, Only during certain scenes, though, because it was filmed yeah, in black yeah. and white. So you'd just be one of those things, like, you'd get a thing like, quick, put on your, your glasses, and the characters in the movie put their glasses on. And if it was too scary, you could not... And again, people would go in multiple times like to, to play around with that gimmick. But that's such a clever way oh. of utilising the technology that you have to, to get people interested and like get people having different viewing experiences. It's great, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, homicidal, 1961. There was a fright break with a timer overlaid on the film's climax. As the heroine approached the house harboring a sadistic killer, the audience had 45 seconds to leave and get a full refund if they were too frightened to see the remainder of the film. <laughs> <laughs> Again, how cool is that? And I like that as well, it's only 45 seconds, so you're not going to get the entire theatre audience to be able to go and get a refund in that time. No, and here we go, Luke. Are you ready? Because the audience got just as clever here. Mm. Uh, in early, in an early showing, wily patrons simply sat through the movie a second time and left at the break to get their money back. <laughs> to prevent this, in future, Castle had different colour tickets printed for each showing. Mm. Accordingly, about 1% of patrons demanded refunds. Um, director John Waters described Castle's response um, as follows. Um, William Castle simply went nuts. He came up with Coward's Corner, a yellow cardboard booth manned by a bewildered theatre employee in the lobby. When the fright break was announced and you could and you found you couldn't take it anymore, you had to leave your seat in front of the entire audience, follow yellow footsteps up the aisle, bathed in yellow light before you reached Coward's Corner. <laughs> you would then go to the thing where it says cowards keep walking you would pass a nurse in a yellow wonder- uh, yellow uniform who would offer a blood pressure test all while the recording was blaring saying watch the chicken watch him shiver in cowards corner <laughs> you then had you then had to go through one final indignity at cowards corner to get your re- your re- refund you had to sign a yellow card saying i'm a coward <laughs> The thing is, though, how good is that? That's so good. I I love, as well, moments of, like, look, you can come and get a refund. We are going to berate you. Yeah. As, like, an audience member. And, like, not in, like, a horrible way. Like, in a very, you know, funny, silly way of just, like, ah, look, you're a coward. Yeah. 
Then we have Mr. Sardonicus. The audience could vote on the villain's fate in a punishment poll during the climax. Castle would appear on screen to explain one of two options. Each member of the audience was given a card with a glow-in-the-dark thumb they could hold up or down to decide if Mr. Sardonicus could, should be cured or die. Supposedly, no audience ever chose Mercy, so the alternate ending was never screened. Oh my god. Like, oh... That's that's so good. And, and there's a rumor that they never actually filmed it because they just, they made the villain so irredeemable. They never expected anyone to pick the good option, so they just never filmed it. But mm. according to William Castle, he said that we did on occasion. Some people did pick it. We did film it, but that just adds to the mystique, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. And he says that uh, at driving versions, drivers were asked to flash their headlights. Yeah, I love the idea that like not only it's like oh this movie has two different endings, but one of the endings, we don't know if it exists. Mm-hmm. Like, no one's ever seen it. And yeah, it just, it's another one of those things that adds to the mystique of the film. Mm-hmm. You have uh, 13 Frightened Girls in 1963. Castle launched a publicised worldwide casting hunt for the prettiest girls from different countries. Um, not 13 as in the title, but 15. He films slightly different versions of each of the film to release in each country, highlighting the girl that was picked. Which is a neat thing. It was like, you know, just... Each, like, you know, regional differences. That's, like, a pretty popular, like, trivia, like, um, uh, bomb now, isn't it? Like, this film has a different scene in this market. But the, the idea that this one has a different, like, actor, that, that's commitment yeah. right there. Yeah. Straight Jacket, 1964, advised by his financial backers to eliminate his gimmicks. Um, Castle hired Joan Crawford and sent her on a promotional tour to select theatres. At the last minute, though, he printed off a bunch of cardboard axes. You know, old habits die. And that's the thing. Imagine telling this guy not to do any gimmicks. Mm-hmm. When, like, they're so fun. It's like, oh, they're costing us money, but they're fun. People mm-hmm. enjoy them. And there'll be a lot of people going to the cinema because of them. Yeah. I Saw What You Did, another Joan Crawford vehicle. This film was initially promoted using giant plastic telephones. But after a rash of prank calls and complaints, the Bell Telephone Company... Um, refused Castle permission to use them or mention telephones. Mm. Uh, so we turned the back rows of theatres into shock sections where seatbelts were installed to keep patrons from being jolted from their chairs in fright. And then finally, Bug. In 1975, Castle advertised a million-dollar life insurance policy for the film's star, Hercules the Cockroach. <laughs> and just, isn't that so fun? Mm-hmm. Isn't that just like a really fun, whimsical journey through the life of a man who just clearly enjoyed making people scared? Yeah, and it, it's just so, so upsetting to me to hear that, like, you know, a lot of the lessons kind of weren't learned, and it was just like, stop doing these gimmicks. Yep, and it's like, it's like, like uh, imagine Alfred major. Hitchcock. Mentioned Alfred Hitchcock earlier. Um, uh, Psycho was directly inspired, as was the marketing, by um, uh, William Castle. Mm-hmm. He's also the favourite filmmaker of um, like John Waters, Robert Zemeckis, like some other people. It's like, yeah, because you know, the guy just having fun. Yeah. But just like, isn't that <laughs> the coward's corner? So like, that's that's maybe my favourite one. It's like you can you can get your money back, but you've got to sign a piece of paper saying I'm a fucking coward. <laughs> and if you don't, you're not allowed it. It's like I remember like during the pandemic, it was like okay, you're allowed to be exempt from wearing a mask, but only if you sign a piece of paper saying you are morally weaker than a furry. <laughs> now you have to admit, just admit that you're not as strong as a furry, and you can't handle wearing a mask for more than half an hour, and we'll let you get away with it. Well, I just, I, I just always found that fascinating. Like, I'm, I'll remember learning about him when I was doing um, like film in college, and just like was just obsessed with that. Like, so I watched a bunch. Of, the thing is that the movies are really fun, and they're really yeah, campy, yeah. like B movies. Sometimes that's all you need. It is, and like Thirteen Ghosts, the nineteen sixties version is actually pretty good. Because that's the one where you have like the woman, like, oh no, it's a skeleton. It's like, do, 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 do. It's, it's like the most like basic bitch skeleton you've ever seen. It's like, do, 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 skeleton. Like, yeah, go on, skeleton. Thing is, does it hold up to early Doctor Who villains of just like men in bin bags and garbage cans and shit? 
Go on then, like, you know, let's end. What is, you think, like, the weakest horror movie, like, um, uh, villain or thing you're supposed to be scared of? Because there's a couple of, like, mm. real bad. Like, you mentioned, like, Doctor Who of, like, the Daleks, and it's like, yeah. it's a bin with a plunger. Because <laughs> it, it, if anyone, like, isn't aware, just go and Google some of those, like, 1960s Doctor Who villains. <laughs> and it, he's literally just, like, whatever production could, like, find in the fucking cupboard that week. Yeah. Just, I don't know, put a bin bag and a broomstick on him. That'll do. <laughs> the thing is that I would love so I think we always joke about the idea of just make a villain who's just he just beats you with a bat <laughs> so I always I, love that idea it's like just like it's, like it's the scariest like I think I saw it the other day it put me on my fucking ass, and it was like the shorter a sword's name is the, like, the more dangerous it is and it's like obviously you don't want to get hit by, like, Lord Lucian's Dark Blade of Maleficent, or whatever the mm-hmm. fuck it's called, but you certainly don't want to get hit by the Throngler. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's like... The simpler a gimmick is, the scarier. It's like, you know, in I'll Be Glad When You're Dead, it's just some dude with a fire axe chasing you down. Like, That's really scary. Mm-hmm. I think like, um, maybe my favourite example of, like, something that you shouldn't be scared of, but, you know, people were, is, like, just... The the whatever the fuck they ended up being called in um, Night Trap, <laughs> the where, bin bag ninjas, the, like the weird bin bag ninja vampires, and it's like not not necessarily because of how bad they look, because plenty of things look that bad, of course, yeah. But the fact that that took that got taken to like Congress. Oh yeah, yeah. Look how terrifying these things are, and then it's just like. <laughs> Bin bag ninjas. <laughs> Just bin bag ninja. The ninjas man's coming in. Is I love it. Stuff that always cracks me up. But it's well, just hell the yeah. fact that like yeah, that they got taken to court of like, look how terrifying these things are. It's like your could your kids be watching this at home and it's just like a woman in the bathroom getting attacked by a bin bag ninja and you're like, hell yeah. But yeah, thank you to everyone for watching at home and thank you to today's sponsor. I'll be lad when you're dead. Check it out at the links below. We appreciate it. Hell yeah, and let us know which wiki won this week. As of course, as well. the Throngler. <laughs> you don't want to get hit by it. <laughs>